Fuck. I am Joy Coleman, Chair of the Historic Resources Commission, and um, this is the third Thursday, June 15th. I'm calling the um, Commission to order. And we'll start out with uh, Avery. You want to give preliminary information? Yes, thank you. Good evening and welcome to the June 15th Historic Resources Commission meeting. My name is Avery Kerner and with me is Lynn Braddock Zollner, the Historic Resources Administrator. Together we will work alongside the chair to facilitate the meeting proceedings tonight. Before we, before we begin, I have just a few reminders to share with everyone. Tonight's meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. For those who are attending the meeting virtually, Please remember to mute yourself when you are not actively speaking to help minimize distractions. When the chair calls for public comment on an item, anyone attending in person may approach the podium to speak. If you are attending the meeting virtually and would like to provide public comment on an item, please use the raise your hand feature to be called upon. We also ask that everyone state their name before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. With that, I'll turn it back over to the chair. Thank you. Now we'll have a, a roll call. Commissioner Meyer? Present. Commissioner Klein? Commissioner Klein? Is oh present but muted. Is present but muted. Commissioner Hawley? Present. Commissioner Azell? I'm here. Commissioner Hayes? Hey. Present. Present. Commissioner Johnston? Here. And Commissioner or Chair Coleman, I'm here. <laughs> so is that seven? Um, Commissioner Klein is here. Yep. Thank you, James. A full house. So um, we'll start with Agenda item number one or, or A, communications. Have there been any communications from other commissions, state historic preservation officer and the general public? Lynn Braddock Zollner, historic resources administrator. We have no communications this evening. And uh, fellow commissioners, um, anyone have ex parte communications to discuss, divulge? Uh, this is Commissioner Ezell. I did have a short conversation with the local architect about Chapter 22, an issue that he mentioned just the section. He didn't say anything specific, and his. But I do agree that there's an issue. Uh, we didn't discuss it any further. Okay, thank you. Do any commissioners have declarations of abstentions or specific agenda items tonight? No? And do we have any committee reports? Um, the Architectural Review Committee did meet uh, since your last meeting on May 25th and reviewed the project that you will see later this evening, item number four for 843 New York Street.
Moving on to item B, consent agenda. approvals <clears throat> yes do uh, do I hear a motion or or any discussion on the consent agenda items this is Commissioner Meyer I would move that we confirm the design review applications according to the standards and information listed in the staff report for each application I hear a second Commissioner Klein's raising oh. hand. <clears throat> Commissioner Klein I had one question about um, two, uh, 2018-2819 Stonebar Terrace, which is Grover Barn, and I happen to be um, a member of the Guardians of Grover Barn, and it was my understanding that the stabilization project had been completed, so I, was, I just wanted to know if this particular proposal is for major structural stabilization projects for the future that will require either a grant and or um, city uh, funds from uh, capital improvements. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. No, this was just for that primary stabilization work that needed to be done in order to stabilize the building while we move forward with looking um, toward the use of the building and major rehabilitation of the building. Okay, and then my follow-up question was why then, if, if the work had been done much earlier, I was just curious why the um, um, proposal happened for today's meeting. This proposal went along with the building permit, so I'm not sure. It should have been along with the building permit that the work was done. Okay, thanks for the clarification, I appreciate it. I will second the motion to approve. Great. Commissioner Meyer um, gave the first and, uh, or the motion, and uh, Commissioner Hawley the second. Any, any discussion? Should we? No? I don't think there is any. All right, so we'll take a roll call vote or, or a vote. Um, Commissioner Meyer. Aye. Commissioner Klein? Uh, aye. Commissioner Hawley? Aye. Commissioner Izell? Aye. Commissioner Haynes? Aye. Commissioner Johnston? Johnson? Aye. And uh, Chair Coleman, aye. Seven to zero, pass. At this time, it's time for uh, public comment. If there are any items to uh, address the commission from the public that are not on the agenda tonight. This is Avery Kerner Planning Staff. It doesn't look like we have anybody to provide public comment, um, general public comment via Zoom. Okay, so we'll move on to public hearing items. First, okay. item. First item is. Do I get an Yeah. 
excuse me. That's all right. First item is DR 23-00157, which is 1141 Vermont Street, demolition of accessory structure, certificate of appropriateness, Oread neighborhood design guideline. Yes, and thank you, uh, Chair. This is Avery Kerner, planning staff, and I'll be presenting on this item. Uh, let me just make sure I have my screen shared appropriately. Okay. Um, okay, so this is DR 23 uh, 00157. And with this application, the applicant is requesting to demolish the accessory structure located at 1141 Vermont Street. This request does not include plans for new construction to replace the building if demolished. Instead, if the demolition request is approved, the property owner would landscape and maintain the open space created as a backyard. The proposed project is in the environs of South Park at 1140 and 1141 Massachusetts Street and is within District 3 for medium density within the Oread Neighborhood Design Overlay District. So this review is for both a certificate of appropriateness and for compliance with the Oread Neighborhood Design Guidelines. This map shows the project location outlined in light blue. South Park is located to the east and across the street from the subject property and is highlighted in a darker blue shade. You can also see the sub that the subject property is located at the edge of the Oread Neighborhood Design Overlay District the boundary of which is shown in orange, uh, or by the orange line along Vermont Street. This image shows the existing layout of the property. The hatched area is the location of the accessory structure, which is behind the primary structure on site. This is a view of the west elevation of the accessory structure, looking east from the rear of the property. The accessory structure is a one-story building constructed of concrete masonry blocks. The applicant has submitted a statement of buildings of the building's condition with the application, which indicates that the building has not been well-maintained for years and that extensive work and upgrades would be required to bring the structure up to usable condition. These photos show, the view, uh, show views of the southeast corner of the building. The second image on the screen shows the close proximity of the accessory structure to the primary structure. You can also see that a portion of the south facade has stucco coating, whereas the rest of the facade is composed of painted concrete blocks. But you can see in these next two photos, uh, which are close-ups of both the north and east walls of the structure. This project is being reviewed under Standard 2 of Chapter 22 in the Oread Neighborhood Design Guidelines for the demolition of existing structures. The accessory structure at 1141 Vermont Street is not character defining for the environs uh, of South Park or for the Oread Neighborhood Design Overlay District. Staff is recommending approval of the proposed project and is of the opinion that the proposed demolition project would not significantly encroach on, damage, or destroy the landmark or its environs and that, the, that it meets the applicable guidelines within the Oread Neighborhood Design Guidelines for the demolition of existing structures. With that, I'd be happy to help answer any questions the Commission may have. Do any Commissioners have questions for Avery on this item? And is the applicant present? Yes. 
Good evening, commissioners. Um, Chris Cunningham here, uh, CT Design and Development. Um, I'm here uh, representing uh, Scott Elwell, uh, owner of the property. Um, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. Um, I think the, the project or I guess the application is pretty straightforward. Um, it's, a, it's a small accessory structure that takes up the entire backyard um, of the property. Um, it, it appears to have been some sort of shop um, for a prior owner. I know that it was used as a, an apartment in the past, um, but the current owner has no use for it and would like to demolish it so that they can enjoy or have a proper backyard in, uh, in their, at the property. So um, happy to answer any other questions um, if you have any. Thank you, Chris. If there are no questions from commissioners, we move to public comment, if any. Chair Meyer, I don't think there is any. So, you can. Okay, Jeannie. Uh, commission uh, discussion. Is Jeannie. Um, I would move approval um, of the uh, certificate of appropriateness uh, because it does meet the uh, standards for demolition of existing properties. Thank you, Commissioner Klein. Seconded. Thank you, Commissioner Hawley. Any uh, discussion or no? Just take a vote. Let's take a vote. Commissioner Meyer? Aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Hawley? Aye. Commissioner Ezel? Aye. Commissioner Haynes? Aye. Commissioner Johnson? Aye. And Chair Coleman? Aye. Passes seven to zero. Um, this, and then this is Chair Meyer. Thank you. We need another motion regarding the Oriad Neighborhood Design Guidelines Review. So I would move that uh, we find that the proposed project meets the standards for demolition of existing structures in the Oriad Neighborhood Design Guidelines for the Oriad Neighborhood Design Overlay District. <coughs> Thank you, Commissioner Meyer. We have a second or discussion? Second. Commissioner Klein. Thank you, Commissioner Klein. I don't have any discussion. Okay. There's no discussion. We'll um, take a vote. Commissioner Meyer? Aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Hawley? Aye. Commissioner Izell? Aye. Commissioner Haynes? Aye. Commissioner Johnson? Aye. Chair Coleman? Aye. Seven to zero. Pass. Thank you. Thank you. Item number two, DR 
Lynn Braddock's owner, Historic Resources Administrator for the city here this evening for item number two, um, DR 23-00191. It's 1346 Ohio Street. It's dem demolition and new construction, and it's um, subject to the Oriad Neighborhood Design Guidelines. The property is located in District MU-UC of the Oriad Neighborhood Design Overlay District and is subject to the Oriad Neighborhood Design Guidelines. This is showing the property location here outlined in blue with Ohio Street to the west and 14th Street directly to the south. This is the primary structure that was built circa 1895, the west elevation, which is the primary elevation. This is showing that south elevation. And then the southeast corner of the structure. Um, the applicant submitted uh, several photos that were in your packet of the complete foundation failure of the structure, and this is just showing one of those photographs. If you can, sometimes it's a little hard to tell, but this is a complete wall bulge. And this is showing just a little bit close up of that. If the demolition were approved, the applicant would like to construct a new mixed-use structure on the site. This is showing the site plan for that site. Um, the existing structure here is outlined in the dotted line that goes around here. The new structure would be this line here with the front wraparound porch here. Um, the mixed-use portion would be, this would be a restaurant in the front portion of the structure, and then there would be a residential unit on the east portion of the structure. This is showing the primary or the west elevation of the structure with the proposed pedestrian door here. And this is the wraparound porch. Um, this is showing that south north elevation, sorry, um, with the wraparound porch and another pedestrian door here. This is showing the south elevation where the pedestrian door centered. Here's the garage door for the residential unit above. And then this shows that east elevation where the structure grows to three stories, and that's mainly due to topography. Um, like I said, the structure was built in 1895 and is considered a character-defining structure for the Oriad neighborhood. Um, the Oriad design guidelines do not recommend demolition of character-defining structures in the neighborhood. There is an option for the Historic Resources Commission to consider all factors when they are looking at a project and take those into consideration. And one of those considerations for staff would be the severe deterioration of the foundation. Um, based on what the applicant has submitted, it looks like it would be um, a complete uh, new foundation would be required, which would constitute lifting the structure, um, removing and pouring a new foundation, setting the structure back down on the new foundation, and then doing the rehabilitation work 
for the structure. So there are a couple of things. We've not done a project like this in the MU district where it was a mixed-use structure. So this would be our first one and the design line guidelines for an MU um, structure are listed separately in the commercial mixed-use chapter of the design guidelines. They speak to um, having a commercial ground level um, look visually like a commercial structure and then the upper floors being more residential in nature. Um, the project meets a lot of those design guidelines, but it looks like some design refinement could help it better meet the overall guidelines, specifically um, when fenestration patterns and the wraparound porch and the number of materials that are listed on the structure. So staff does not recommend the demolition of the character defining structure, but if the commission um, approves the demolition of the structure, staff would recommend that it be sent to the architectural review committee for further design refinement. And with that, I'd be happy to stand for any questions you may have. When you said this is the first MU structure, you mean the existing to be torn down or the new to be built or both? The new to be built. Right now it's all apartments. Thank you. Lynn, I do, I do have a question in terms of process. Um, just not sure the flow. Let's say, hypothetically, the commission denied the demolition permit, this, the HRC, and the applicant went to the city commission to plead case. Would that be for approval of including the new design, or would it get kicked back to the HRC and potentially ARC if the city commission approved the demolition permit well it depends on the motions that the hrc makes um, you could move to send it to the architectural review committee in hopes that the demolition of the structure could be wrapped into that new project or um, look at the overall design of the new structure as part of the architectural review committee and then come back for a determination on the demolition of the structure. If you approve the demolition of the structure this evening um, and the applicant appeals to the city commission, they would be looking at the demolition permit, but they could also, um, depending on how your vote goes this evening, if you vote to approve the new construction, then they wouldn't have anything to appeal to. But normally a denial of the demolition would also be a denial of the new structure because you can't do one without the other. So the city commission would hear both at the same time. Is that confusing enough? Clear as mud. No, that's <laughs> clarifying. Thank you, Lynn. Commissioner Klein. 
Um, I had one point and a question. Um, I was I uh, looked it up and noticed that there had uh, the building had five to six rooms for rent back in 1910 uh, and 1922, um, and that's so I was wondering if and I know the staff did not view anything on the inside and and there were some photographs. I was just wondering when the architect made the statement there was nothing sal salvageable. I was curious if those five or six rooms had walls knocked out or what have you to um, rearrange the floor plan. Uh, above and below. I think that would be a question that the architect would have to answer in his presentation. Okay. And then my other uh, question was, um, if the building were to be demolished, can any of the uh, can any of the limestone or the bricks be salvaged to be used in other ways um, around the building or in, in the building or on for the building in some way, shape or form? I think that is something that you can encourage the architect to do. Okay, thank you. Okay, seeing no other questions for Lynn, is the applicant or representative of the applicant present? Good evening, Paul Werner, Paul Werner Architects. I haven't been here for three years, so we'll have to see how this goes. Um, I love being first. I didn't know we were first, but um, we're seven years into this project, so I like to think we're, we're finally getting somewhere. Um, I do like the report in that um, I think if you read it, I think we're, um, we actually meet as much of the oriented design guidelines on the actual design of this new structure. The obvious only thing we are in disagreement is that it's a contributing structure and that it shouldn't be demolished. It is a very complicated site for renovation. Um, it's awful small. I hope you guys drove by it. It's on the corner of the lot. Um, mixed-use zoning, um, and obviously we have to meet the land development code and the ORIA design guidelines. And we went to the Board of Zoning Appeals for uh, multiple times for a parking variance, which we finally received. Um, the clock is now ticking on that, so we've got some things we have to deal with, which is why we are here. Um, so in our, in our opinion, you know, we rezoned this lot years ago. Um, we've been through the BZA. The rezoning went to the Planning Commission. The City Commission had staff support. So on one hand, we feel that the, the city is on board with this project. Um, we just need to feel out, you know, refine a few things. So there's main few points I'd like to um, note about the structure. Lynn already elaborated on the failing foundation. We've done enough of these. I like to think we, we kind of know what we're doing now. Um, hopefully you looked at all the pictures. So I think we are clearly in agreement the foundation is failing. Um, we can lift them. It's a lot harder. We used to have three contractors that would do it. We're down to one um, in leaving money out of all of this. The, the real issue it comes down to, and it was noted on the picture, is that the existing house has an eight-foot plate. So the first floor is it only an eight-foot ceiling. So one of the guidelines that we're trying to meet is a commercial use on the main floor. So even if we lifted it, poured a foundation, poured a bigger foundation, which we have never done before, but we, we could get past that, set it back down on some sort of structure, we're still left with a first floor that is only an eight-foot ceiling. So in our new design, we have a 10-foot ceiling, so we've got a couple feet in there that I'm not quite sure what we deal with. Um, I mean, we could you know, kind of trick everybody or fool them and try to increase the height of those walls. But at the end of the day, 
um, it just seemed like we were, you know, trying to fool people, and, and what was left is is not really um, relevant, and it's certainly not contributing. I struggle with um, when you look at it. You know, the only way to the second floor is this outside stairway. There are no stairs left, um, as one of the commissioners asked. There's no stairs left between the basement, the first floor, or the second floor. It's only access to the basement from the alley or um, the the walkout lot. Um, the only way to get to the second floor is the kind of wood stairs built from the front on the west elevation. Um, I think we submitted a bunch of um, pictures of the inside, and my client didn't do it. He bought it that way. The inside, there's no trim. There's no old doors. There's nothing left. Um, it's dropped ceilings. So again, in our mind, there's just nothing there to really save um, to work with the project. So again, there's no trim, no stairs between <clears throat> the floors. Um, we have just recently lifted two houses on Tennessee. Um, so like I said, I think we have a pretty good plan and when to do it and when it's salvageable and, and go along those lines. Um, one of the exhibits, and I don't know who has this, these were sent to Denny earlier. Just for example, um, there should be an exhibit somewhere that shows. I think they're on the desktop if you want to share your screen. Oh. Well, I'm going to need your help. <clears throat> Look at that. Yeah, that's it. Oh, pretty good. It just disappeared. Perfect. Is that Thank it? you. Yeah, okay. that's it. Let me give me just one second so I can actually share it. Oh. Right there. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, just for example, so um, the corner lot is on the lower left. Um, the hawk is to the north. So the next five houses are ones that this owner we've all we have renovated them. The three to the west are all been renovated. The one to the east. Um, other one off the alley, um, and this is just in this section um, further down on Tennessee. Um, the row of five of those houses, several of them were lifted. Not all of them had to be. I do like the last one on the south. I think um, they managed to get it because the Sigma Chi's really wanted it, but they were going to tear it down to expand their parking lot. So I like to think it was um, a better move that they came to our clients that fix these houses and keep them. So just trying to show that I think, um, I mean, we've got a pretty good record in the neighborhood of fixing these structures. I just don't think this is the one to do it. Um, I think as Lynn's report points out, we meet a lot of the Oriad design guidelines. Um, she also pointed out, I'm in full agreement, the commercial and the mixed use section. Um, we haven't used it very much, so it's a little unclear on materials, so we would love to visit with the ARC if we get that far. Um, but we think this is one that for this project is better to come down and let us build a new structure. I think that's all I have at the moment. Happy to answer any questions or wait a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. Have any questions or discussions? Paul, I had a question, which is, how long 
as D&D on this property. Um, roughly 20 years. public comment at this time doesn't look like we have anyone via zoom to provide public comment This is a, I think this is a tough one, <laughs> a tough one because where it is and um, within the Oread high density area, I am not quite sure what to do with the conflict between the requirement to use the first floor as commercial use, but yet it's, you know, it was built as a residence and it has, um, you know, residential spaces. What, um, what maintenance has been done on the foundation in the last 20 years? Not that I expect you to know 20 years worth of history. I don't know the complete history. I mean, they are stone foundations. Um, it's been worked on. Um, some of the, the, the pictures show, you know, patches over time. I mean, it is a struggle. It's a, it's a really old house. Um, You know, um, the owner of the Hawk used to own it a long time ago. Um, it hasn't been occupied for much longer just because of the condition overall that it's in and what it takes to, like I said, we've been working on the seven years, so we've had a goal of trying to do something more with it. Um, but that still doesn't get me over the conflict of what you know, the chairman just said is that it has to be a commercial space on the first floor. So I'm going to have an eight-foot ceiling with really tiny rooms that have been cut up and, you know, tiny bathrooms and tiny kitchens and all that stuff if you look at the pictures. So we could put beams through the whole thing and open it up, but I still have an eight-foot ceiling or I do something really goofy to make a ten-foot walls and you know at the end of the day there's really nothing left of the house so that's where I'm struggling with the conflict of even even if the foundation wasn't as in bad of shape as it is it's still not the right use for what we want to get at the end of the day and what's supposed to be on the lot could you speak before you move yeah. on could you speak to the um what your research has found is the original um, home. I mean, there were additions and how much, when, because when you look at it from the outside, at least that west elevation looks like it, it uh, might be original, if not, you know, at least 50 years old. So what is the rest of it like? I'm going to have to think about, I mean, I've been in the, the basement. I would, um, I don't know, we didn't go through the full exercise. 
Um, I would think the west side was original. I would think there was an addition at some point on what would be like the northeast corner. Um, but again, it it was it was cut up when when they bought it. Um, you know, I think the the guy who owned the Hawk at the time was using it for the same thing with a couple of employees there and storage in the basement, and it just, um, you know, it just it was not in great shape probably then. But like I said, we started this long enough ago that um, it is probably a struggle to put a bunch of money into something that at the end of the day we think still needs to be renovated in a bigger way. Um, we started with years ago saying, still knowing that it needs a new foundation. Um, even if this was all residential, I mean, the foundation needed to be replaced. Certainly nobody would want to live in a condition like that. So, um, I mean, the, the two other buildings we have going now on Tennessee and one on Ohio, um, we left the stone foundation. We can waterproof it. It was in great shape. The one we're starting in a month is in great shape. Um, so when we keep them, we can. Um, just This just isn't one. Mm -hmm. I hope that helps. And you attached uh, an analysis, cost and structural analysis. Correct. So could you describe the, not in detail, but just overall what work would you see needing to be done to save the structure and repair it? So the real and all we did was, um, you know, plumbing's going to be equal at the end of the day. So all we included was um, excavation. So we have a guy that lifts the houses. So they come in, they put structure underneath the first floor, they jack it up. So we have to excavate completely around it. Um, this one would be a little harder, again, because of the footprint doesn't necessarily match the structure. So we dig around it. Um, so the foundation costs go up because the guys are doing this similar foundation, except now there's a house you know, 14 feet above their heads. So they move a little slower and a little bit more cautiously. Um, so the foundation costs more, um, so that's not a wash. At the end of the day, it's just a lot more work. And again, this one's complicated by the fact that the footprint wouldn't match the existing house, um, which is part of the mixed use zoning is that we're supposed to be building the property closer to the property line, um, which obviously um, is the advantage on a, this small of a lot, which gets us a bigger footprint. But that's one of the requirements of the mixed use for the primary um, area that we are in is to bring the building closer to the property line. So that creates a different set of walls or foundation to support the structure. Hope but if that, that was waived and your foundation matched the current foundation, are you saying that that's different than the exterior walls? I it would be different because, um, Yes, because we need, then I think we have a problem with our site plan that it doesn't meet the mixed use zoning of the conditions of where, where what our setbacks have to be for the MU zoning. Okay. Um, so then we're, you know, maybe then I'd say we're, we're fooling people one way or the other, either by leaving the existing structure and trying to work around it, mm -hmm. or, but we still have the problem with the eight foot plate for the first floor. and can't come up with a reasonable solution on how to get over that. What, what was the remodel in 2022? Is there a building permit on it in 2022? Um, yeah, um, oh, there is on the property, maybe because we, uh, we added an exit out of the Hawk. 
oh. um, that is on technically is on this property to make um, okay. the hawk. That's what the county had. Safer. It. Yeah, so there was yeah. a building permit for a remodel. I don't know what it was. No, it's the set of stairs on the south side of the hawk, um, hmm. to, um, which was a good a, a good renovation for the hawk. So that was what it was. But it is on this property. That's why it shows up. Because the exterior stair from the hawk is on over the property line. Correct. Partially. 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 Okay. Um, okay. Can you speak to the amount of deterioration or reframing that would have to happen from the foundation level up within the existing structure? I mean, other than so, you know, ceiling heights all being different. Um, to your point, it's all a residential structure that um, they're all tiny little rooms. Um, it's not failing. Um, hard to see some of it. It's covered up by acoustical ceiling tiles because they've. Um, that's what how they dealt with the ceilings. Um, you know, at the end of the day, that wouldn't be the worst case, but it still comes back to this eight-foot ceiling that we have, and what does that perimeter look like mm -hmm. at the end of the day? Um, you know, we did look at, so do I build big headers, and all of a sudden, so you try to get this hint of what the house was there before, but I don't know, at the end of the day, we just landed on the fact that it just didn't seem like we're getting anywhere, and that that this was the wrong thing to be focusing that much on the structure. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, any, commissioners, are there any other questions for the architect or the applicant? Uh, Chair Commissioner Johnson. Like, oh, sorry. Uh, it looks like Commissioner Johnson has a, her, their hand raised. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me okay? Hmm. Yes. yes. Okay, great. I have two questions for for staff, uh, if that's okay. Um, one is, um, if this the building were not demolished um, with the zoning, can it continue as residential, um, or is it complicated by being grandfathered in, or something like that? Um, so that's one question. The other question is, when this was rezoned to mixed use, was there a discussion or what were the thoughts of what would happen with this property if it was rezoned to mixed use? The first, um, Commissioner Johnson, is that it can continue with the use it has right now of having the, I believe it's five dwelling units um, even if they have to be reconfigured, it could still maintain those residential dwelling units. When this area was um, rezoned to mixed use, the idea was to incorporate some of the bars that actually already existed in the Oread neighborhood and to make those um, compliant with the overlay district they were zoned MU this property was directly adjacent to one of those bars and was included so that future um, development would contain those mixed-use elements 
but there's so there's nothing stopping it from continuing on as a residential um, building. Correct. Zoning wise. Zoning wise. Yeah. If I may, Commissioner, um, I do wonder about like pulling a building permit. I don't. Um, I don't know where that falls in because we have zero parking and not that we love to talk about parking but um oh, we do yeah we do but the main thing the bza had to get over and the reason we landed on this design is it's about the residents are the ones that need a place to park it's not the commercial use we're very thankful the kids are a lot smarter than several of people were over the last years and for the most part you know really they don't drive when they go to the hawk or the wheel or bullwinkles or whatever and we think this is the similar use with the commercial deal so where we landed and as lynn pointed out in our design there's one unit one bedroom that has a private parking spot for that person so um i think we we're all in agreement the number of people living in this structure it's just not great because 14th street there's no parking on it you're already on ohio which is a struggle you know ku didn't help with that situation um so that's why part of the reason that everybody at the time thinks the mixed use is an awesome use 14th actually used to be the commercial corridor into ku um so providing a structure and a use that has a limited parking requirement is actually better for the area. Well, not to be a smart aleck, but I recall when we were listening to a project about uh, apartments on New Hampshire, we were, uh, it was argued that people weren't really using cars anymore. <laughs> no cars. I'm gonna just as discussion. Oh, gee, sorry. Go ahead, uh, Commissioner Klein. I think had her hand up. Oh, she uh, did. Clip Commissioner sorry. Klein, did you have a question? I was just gonna repeat my earlier question. I'm trying to again back in um, 1910. There were at least five or six rooms, so I'm trying to understand if the interior rooms right now were chopped up smaller. So like there's 10 rooms or something. I'm, I'm still trying to get a sense of of if the walls were torn out at some point to redesign the number of rooms that are in the space right now. Or are there still five to six rooms in the in the that main building, the west side? Yeah. And again, my, my the owner that I'm working for didn't do it. But yes, no, that, that's what they did, you know, 30 years ago and 40 years ago. There are tiny little galley kitchens in each one of these units, okay. single bathroom. I mean, it is a cut up maze. Um, like I said, that's why the stairways go away so they can pick up more space. Um, and they tear everything out to kind of reconfigure it so there is really nothing left um and yes they're they cut up the rooms when they can and stuff like that so thank you for the clarification i appreciate it thank you commissioner, commissioner johnson has her hand raised i think it was raised before i started talking oh. Okay, uh, Commissioner Johnson. 
Okay. Uh, so, but if if it was to continue as residential, would there be a would there be parking requirements that would be any different than? I'm just I'm trying to understand. So, staff would they have to somehow add parking to continue as residential? Well, I can I can into the BZA and I mean, um, I won't say a definitive yes or no, but um, we renovated 1301 Tennessee, and it took two years to prove that the renovation that when that house was cut up into five units, we had to be able to prove that that was done legally. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of time and fine bills for water meters. And even though Evergy has five meters on the back side of that building, that doesn't matter. So um, a lot of these houses, this old, um, the city doesn't keep building permit records that old. Um, so we're kind of on our own. So um, I would probably say if the city wanted to allow them to renovate it, they could, but at the end of the day, it's probably more on the applicant um, and the owner to prove that when it was converted from a single family home into a five unit apartment building that it was done legally um, with no parking. So then we have to find out exactly when that was done, which is through Sanborn maps and the Polk directories and you go year by year and get to see how many units show up and hope that um, the information works. Um, so I'm not going to say no, but I'd, I'd probably tell you that if, you know, um, on the wrong day, someone in building inspection would probably tell you that we would have to go back to the BZA and plead our case for a parking variance to renovated because that's a that's not what we asked for several times um, and that they do not we do not have the ability to provide parking yeah. I'd like to comment um, like to commend staff on the very thoughtful report um, I'm inclined here's here's just where I, I'm at I agree with staff's assessment of d1 and d2 about um, it not meeting some of the character, the guidance. I think that's true. I also see that there's a, I mean, there's an inherent conflict with what this zoning is trying to do and what the city commission by adopting that zoning has signaled it is inclined to support. Um, I think, you know, just speculation, but if this applicant were to go with this report to the city um, based on their past actions and the uh, really well thought out and plan that fits in well with the neighborhood, that they would, it would be approved anyway. So where kind of I'm going is I'd rather have this sent to the ARC for a little fine tuning I think it's a net win to the neighborhood, a good use. Those foundations look awful. Anything can be done, but don't get out the, you know, the wood stud stretcher and bring this thing two feet up. I think overall I'm in support 
of this project and with sending to the ARC, but I do agree with staff's report on the D1 and D2. I think there's just a tension there between the zoning and those requirements. This is Commissioner Meyer. I, I'm going to get on my soapbox a little bit about foundations because that's all we ever hear about is foundations and how terrible they are. Um, we just had, you know, we talked about the accessory structure and the one we just approved, which I honestly did with some apprehension because the building was actually not in that bad a shape for the report. So we basically just approved it for not a very good reason. But, um, you know, I, and why I'm asking is when you have a property owner who's had a property for 20 years and has essentially, I haven't heard that they've done anything to do anything to the foundation. I, I really consider that to be demolition by neglect um, when you're not maintaining or doing something for your property, when you know, <laughs> you know where your property's at. Happens all the time around here. And so I just, just a philosophical issue. I've, I don't have a lot of sympathy for foundation issues with longtime property owners who come in and, and complain about the foundations. And the other thing is, and I think we all know it is, most houses in Lawrence have foundation problems. Talk to the foundation people. They'll tell you almost every house in Lawrence does, whether it's built in 1973 or, you know, 1873. So there's something to be said for all of that. So, you know, I, that's where I'm kind of at about the foundation stuff because everyone comes in and says the same thing about that. Um, I, I'll be honest, I, I'm not really giving a lot of weight to the the conflicts with the zoning, which FYI, that's a very good reason why the HRC should not be combined with a zoning board because I think our charge is, is different and that I'm looking at from the historical preservation angle and less about the zoning. I don't want to say I would never consider zoning, but I sort of consider that as a separate issue. But Jay, are you saying send it to the ARC, just straight send it to the ARC and then it'll come back to us after they work on it? <coughs> Yeah, that's kind of where I'm. Okay. That's where I'm going. And that would be after. Would that be along with the approval of the demolition, or would that be no motion? I mean, you could just, just move to send it to the area that's what project I'm, yeah. refinement, and then have it come back. We could. Yeah. Okay. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily. I wouldn't necessarily move to approve the demolition. I think sending to the ARC if we would be a wise idea but i'd also love an informal raise of hands if we don't have a formal vote about how the rest of the commission feels about these things because if we're if we think it would ultimately be likely rejected because of the zoning issues you know i wouldn't want to force the applicant to go through the arc process if we're just going, if we don't think that's reasonable for deeper reasons. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Mr. Warner. Do you, I mean, do you even think it's worth going to the ARC about? I mean, are you like, I don't, we don't want to waste our time with this. And I don't mean that in an offensive way. It's just sometimes there are, you know, you just know when going to the ARC is not going to be productive. I don't know if one, this is one of those times or not. And I'm not holding it against you either way. It's just I know I mean, that that's I guess the we go to the AR we go to the ARC all the time when it's um, I'm not sure we've ever turned down going to the ARC. But to your point, and two people have spoken out of seven. I mean, 
if we are going to go to the ARC to refine a design that four people still want us to keep the structure, I don't know if that's overly helpful. Um, I mean, I don't want to commit that we are going to go to the city commission today. I think it depends on what everybody else says. I mean, I'm, I mean, if there's another idea out there, that would be awesome. Um, but we feel like we have a pretty good project. Um, but, you know, we go to the ARC all the time if we need to, um, to talk things out. Um, to be fair, I don't even know who, what, three people on the ARC right now? Two. Two. So, you know, then we're asked, we're, we're negotiating, for a lack of a better word, for the attorneys in the room with two people that still don't speak for the whole board. So that, I don't know if that puts us and the two people on the ARC in a great position either, you know, but maybe we will get a better feel if other commissioners chime in. Um, it looks like Commissioner Johnson has something to say. Yeah, I have a, a question again for staff. Um, so in the zoning for MUUC, um, does, what are its parking requirements? I mean, I, what I'm, I'm trying to, to parse is, can it continue as a residential structure, multifamily, within the MUUC district and there not be any parking requirements? Um, what does the existing zoning say about parking? So multi-dwelling structures require parking at a rate of one parking space per bedroom plus one additional space for every 10 uh, units or bedrooms, um, and those are intended for guest or visitor parking. I'm not sure, I'm not familiar with the MU district, and there really isn't a whole lot of property in the city of Lawrence that is zoned MU. Um, and so I've never come across it, so I don't know if there's something different uh, within those uh, within those standards in the land development code, or if it's just the parking is required based on the use, just as any other district. No, I, I think you're right. It's it's similar. Um, at best, I would tell you we'd have a legal um, non-conforming use because it doesn't conform to the current zoning, or worst case is probably more accurate we have an illegal non-conforming use structure because of when it was converted um, meanings it's a different set of problems for my client if something were to happen to it or um, whatever but yeah. uh, it just I uh, I'm <laughs> I am trying to download the development code because uh, I can't I can't imagine a mixed-use district that is requiring parking um, but hey, I suppose it happened. Um, it is not, 
that is not usually the intent of mixed-use districts and particularly historic neighborhoods to continue suburban uh, parking standards. Um, but if Lawrence doesn't have an up-to-date mixed-use zoning code that does that, then we are stuck as far as this continuing on as a residential structure and it being something that doesn't have to be grandfathered in. So I'm frustrated by that. Yeah, just to add, um, Commissioner, I, I think you're right, I, but I think that's where the BZA landed again on this whole <coughs> idea that if there's a commercial <coughs> use, that that's not the use that needs to be parked. What needs to be parked is the one resident, which is why we have one residential unit and one parking spot, and that solves that person's problem if they, you know, come home late at night on a hopefully a very busy little triangle in, in town so that they have a place to park. Hopefully that helps. So remind me, so if the downstairs is a um, takeout restaurant, do people have to walk up to the window to get the food or are they gonna be driving up and parking to pick up the food from a window? I mean I just want a clarification on that. There is there's no drive up window. It's a very busy intersection. Okay. So this is um, you know, it's an enclosed space. Um yeah. and I think it's a good use with all the activity in the area. Thank you. But it's okay, thanks. So if we were to make a motion, if one of us was to make a motion, are we actually making two motions? Is the demolition separate from the new construction motion? You can make it all as one motion or you can separate it out if you have different um, recommendations for each of those two items. So if you want to approve the project as is with the demolition and the new construction going to ARC. You could do that or you could approve the demolition and the new construction or you could deny the demolition and send the um, new construction to ARC just knowing that those may not line up if the applicant chooses to appeal to the city commission before the ARC works with the applicant, they could approve the project as is. Public comment. Oh, did we? Speak? I think we asked about it, but you. We did. Chicken. Yeah. So, can we take public comment at this time? You can decide. I can decide. You have all the power. Ooh. Is there any public comment? <laughs> yeah, I would like to make a comment. Um, my name is Candace uh, Davis, and I live in the Oriad neighborhood some 25 years. And I believe this project has come up before, maybe in a different form. I wasn't really prepared tonight for this, but before they were required to have 100 spaces, it was essentially, we interpreted at the time, it may have been four years ago, to really be an extension of the Hawk. The Hawk has already been extended a number of times, and that was part of the idea. This may have changed now, but we definitely objected to having, uh, and then there was something else about a drive-through. Now there's no drive-through as far as a little eating 
portion of this, but I think it's been misrepresented a bit here. Um, to me, this is dangerous in that neighborhood by the Hawk. We've had at least three people die over the last 10 years walking. There are cars driving in and out. And as the Oriad neighborhood stood in opposition to this a number of years ago, the intent was they were asking for one parking space and the requirement for an establishment like they were proposing, which was an extension in a way of the Hawk, it was going to be selling beer, was 100 spaces. And it was denied. Um, so I, I don't know what's going on, but I think it's being a little bit misrepresented. And I know Paul is a great salesman. Um, I'm not so sure what this does to the neighborhood in terms of um, there's a lot of police activity around the Hawk. I don't know. This place, this house has been in existence a long time. I likewise agree that people who have neglected their properties for years and made money on them uh, have a problem. And, you know, it'd be nice when they sell them if they were at a lower cost so people can fix them up. But, um, I don't know. I think this is not everything you're hearing is, I, I would question that. And as far as mixed use, I'm confused. I know it's in, in that part of our neighborhood plan. We have some mixed use. And I know we were thinking, too, it's not just bars. Maybe there's a hair salon. Maybe there's something else that contributes to the neighborhood. This, though, is something that enhances, to my mind, the Jayhawk Cafe. So thanks very much. I, uh, as we know, I like playing devil's advocate. Um, I, well, I mean, when we're talking about volume, um, maybe I should have mentioned this at the disclosure at the beginning of the meeting. I essentially lived at the Hawk in 1992. I probably could have got mail there. Uh, um, so I know what, I mean, I kind of know what it was like. I mean, we had Pyramid Pizza across the street. I mean, the wheel was there. The bull was still there. And so I understand the hawk is obviously bigger than it was then, but um, you know, I, I how much more traffic is it there than it was 30 years ago? I guess is my question. I mean, it seems like <clears throat> it's not that much different, probably. <clears throat> well, I'd tell you it's a whole lot less than it used to be. Um, students, right or wrong, used to drive there a whole lot more than they do now. You know, everybody didn't like to hear there's no such thing as Uber and Lyft before. Right. Um, you know, to the question of, you know, misrepresented, you know, we went to the BZA several times. Everybody gets notified. It is parked for 20 cars. We got a variance for 20 um, to 20 to 1. For, that's how the customer service area of the restaurant is on a site plan. It's all public record. If anybody wants, they can look it up. Um, yes, I think it's about just what you said, that Hawk's been there forever. Bullwinkles is there. The wheel's there. There's still a pizza place in the wheel. Um, you know, kids still walk up. I used to walk up 14th Street when I lived on Tennessee. Um, you know, it probably would have been pretty nice if there was another place to stop in. 
um, you know, sandwich shop, coffee shop, whatever, some other, another pizza place. I know Nobby probably doesn't want to hear that. So, um, you know, I think that's why the mixed use was approved. Um, we don't, we don't get to decide that, <coughs> know the process. I mean, we submit an application to the city, the staff writes the report, goes to the planning commission. You know, they don't always agree with us. Um, goes to the city commission. There's certainly people speak out all the time, um, and it was approved. And I think it was approved because of all the reasons we already talked about. I mean, that's the corridor, and now we're trying to figure out how to build something. Um, no one wants to live at this location, I wouldn't think. Um, single family home at this corner probably does not seem like an awesome place to live. Um, Happy to answer any more questions. Uh, this is Commissioner Haynes. Could I get a clarification from the staff on something? Um, so forgive me, I'm kind of new to the commission, so this may be something basic that you all understand and I just don't. Um, the structural analysis and um, cost estimate from the applicant states that only the uh, foundation is left from the original structure. And then uh, the staff uh, says that it's a character-defining structure for the Oriad neighborhood. So what, uh, is it the foundation that makes it the character-defining structure, or is it, like, still the whole thing, even if it doesn't, even if the rest of it isn't from that original 1895 Right, it, it's the entire structure, and okay. a portion of that is from the 1895 structure, and it looks like the additions that were made onto the structure are also historic. Okay. And so that's what makes it a character-defining structure. Okay. Thank you. Well, I, I would be more inclined just to send it to ARC now and see what comes of it. I guess just but somebody I, can, else I'm, can have a different idea I'm in favor of that too but we know what the purview of the you know ARC's tweaks right so I guess that's my question is I think it can be tweaked to better yet better fit but the ARC is not I find it highly unlikely that it will come out as a residential structure with five parking spaces in the basement instead of a mixed use like it's basic floor plan set there might be tweaks is that a deal breaker for this commission if it came back from the hrc i guess that's the what what do our zoomer commissioners think about that i i, I will tell you i feel uh, i have this feeling it just feels like this project has been sitting there knowing that in the prime spot that it is so that we're not doing anything with it and just kind of let it, letting it go until the point that we have to have to and I, I guess it's where I'm a little hung up at personally but that's where I'm at uh, Commissioner Meyer and that's why I'm kind of thinking we ought to do two separate votes one for or against the demolition and one for or against the taking it to the ARC just to see where our chips fall for starters. 
Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, you may want to consider um, sending the entire project to the ARC. There may be options that discuss as part of that of um, things that can be maintained from the existing structure, like some of the design elements or some of the um, materials that exist on the structure. There, um, is a lot of leeway for discussion at those ARC meetings and the outcome of that, what that structure looks like could potentially affect your vote on the demolition. I would agree with that. It seems counterproductive to have a vote on demolition positive vote on demolition and then a, a follow-up vote on sending the new design to ARC. So, what is it? Well, do you, do you uh, mean just send it to ARC? I think that if we, if we voted for demolition, yes or no, and the answer was no, you, we do not approve the demolition, then I don't think there's a reason to send it to ARC. Well, I'm going to make a motion that we just uh, send the project to ARC and then bring it back to the commission for a vote on, on denying the project or not. Now, there could not be a second to that motion, but that's my motion. Okay, that's your motion. I see that Commissioner Johnson has uh, her hand up. Yeah, from um, the way I read the Chapter 22 and the staff report, the one of the reasons to approve a demolition of a structure like this would be that the what is proposed uh, meets all the guidelines and is is uh, considered an improvement. And so I see them as being bundled together. You can't demolish it until you have in hand a plan that people agree to as that it meets the, the guidelines. So they, it has to be bundled together. Um, so, so I would say that we we do need to um, uh, perhaps the the motion is to continue this to our next meeting, have a report from ARC, and a report about the the intricacies of the MU uh, district as far as parking and options and residential use are concerned so that we can make an informed decision because we really can't give a reason for demolishing the building until we know what is being proposed to replace it. Correct. And that sounds like a second to me. Is that is that a second to Ch Commissioner Myers motion? Uh, uh, yes, with those added directions to staff um, to come back, and and that we're just that we're continuing this to our next meeting. Is that in the spirit of your motion? I think it is. Yes. Should we restate that for staff? <laughs> I, I think that quite staff. Right. Staff, you got that down right. 
correct? I would ask that maybe not continue it to the next meeting, but to give us one more month to make sure that the applicant has time to work with the ARC yeah. and we get those revisions back to the ARC so they can come up with a recommendation to this commission. It usually takes more than just the one month. Yeah, so, so just continue it to a future meeting. Yes. Okay, so we have the motion and the second. So we'll take a, a vote. Commissioner Meyer. Aye. Commissioner Klein. Nay. Commissioner Hawley. Aye. Commissioner Izell. Aye. Commissioner Haynes. Aye. Commissioner Johnson. Yes. And Chair Coleman, aye. So that is six in favor and one against sending the project to the ARC for additional consideration. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Yeah, you'll see him. I, no, I mean, if there really is, if there's only two of you on the ARC, I mean, I'd like to think it's easier to get meetings together than it used to be and stuff. So yeah, seems to be. I know where you work. And I'm just yeah. <laughs> It'd be nice to do that sooner than later. Okay. Item number three, 1030 Main Street. This is 1030 Main Street, DR 23-00193. It's the subdivision of a property and new construction on the new lot created by the subdivision. The property is located in UC1 Low Density District of the Oread Neighborhood Design Overlay District and is subject to the Oread Neighborhood Design Guidelines. This is the existing structure on the lot that's addressed as 1030 Main Street. It faces Main Street, so this is the west elevation of the structure. This is showing the north elevation of the structure that faces Fambro. This is showing the two platted lots. The green line is the parcel line. And then you can see here this light line that goes through. This is lot 10 and lot 9. This shows the structure and how it encumbers both of those lots. The Historic Resources Commission confirmed an, a historic um, resources administrative approval of this lot division back in, I believe it was March. Um, this shows that proposed addition with the lots divided north to south. And that was affirmed um, with that application based on the condition that the new lot would be used for a single dwelling. This is the proposed configuration for the lot split. Over here on the right, you see the existing house that would all be maintained and then a line would be drawn down the middle to allow for a new duplex on the western lot. 
This is the proposed site plan with the existing residential house here on the right-hand side of the screen and the proposed new duplex on the new lot to the left of your screen. The parking would be shared parking that would be behind both structures and there would be a proposed shared patio between the structures. This is a drawing of what the new structure, the new duplex would look like. That's the primary facade or the facade that faces Fambro. And this is showing the side elevation or the western elevation of the structure. This is showing the north elevation of the structure. and then the east elevation of the structure. Um, as you noticed in your staff report, this is a unique situation because it is in the low density district and part of the statement for the low density district is that lots shall not be created or modified to accommodate the construction of duplexes or other highly intensity residential dwellings. So the division of this lot to support a new duplex would not be in conformance with that intent of the Oria Neighborhood Design Guidelines. Um, the division would allow, um, if you wanted to divide the property in the similar location, to have a single dwelling residential unit on the new lot. Again, like we discussed earlier, the um, guidelines give the commission the ability to look at the whole situation and look at the guidelines and determine intent and also if there are unique circumstances to consider when looking at a project for the design guidelines review. This has several unique uh, qualities to it. When the um, guidelines were written, one of the concerns was the teardown and consolidation of lots to build duplexes. Um, this lot um, would be creating a vacant lot um, that would not be a teardown of an existing structure. The new lot would also um, meet the required square footage in the guidelines to have a duplex on the lot. So staff does not support the demolition, I'm sorry, does not support the um, division of the lot to support a new duplex, but it could support a single dwelling residential unit. But if the commission determines that the subdivision can be approved to allow for the construction of a new duplex. The new created lot on the newly created lot, staff recommends that the commission find that the proposed new construction, <clears throat> excuse me, meets the design standards in the Oread neighborhood design guidelines if the proposed porch columns are wood and the door for the eastern half <coughs> of the duplex is placed on the western wall of that portion of the structure. And the point of that would be to have one visually central um, door for the structure that would make it look more like a single dwelling residential structure. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have. Is the intent of the um, the Oread District uh, guidelines saying no duplexes to encourage single-family homes um, 
and and tenants, or is it is it to be in keeping with the character of the rest of the homes in the in the neighborhood? It's to be in keeping with the rest of the homes in the neighborhood in a scale that matches those homes in that portion of the overlay district. Thank you. Other questions for staff? Well, the, you attached the administrative review staff report from September 2022 <clears throat> and approved it as proposed as meeting development and design standards. So <clears throat> did the application change from when it was previously submitted? I mean, I see the one that's the design review application that says dated 4-5-23 says single family slash duplex. Did it say single family slash duplex last year? No, it was stipulated that it was for a single dwelling residential unit. Okay. <clears throat> That's what I thought, but I wanted to clarify that. I don't have any further questions for staff. Any other further questions for staff? Can you confirm or deny that the adjacent property is formerly known as the Bull House? I cannot, but that what? is interesting. Okay. Where did the bull go? That's what I want to know. I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Warner can elaborate on that. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'll jump in and not wait for my hand to be acknowledged. I'm sorry, I couldn't um, see it. <laughs> um, so my... <laughs> How I read this is if we were to say yes to a duplex, we would be violating the zoning and we don't have that power. How do we have the power to essentially rezone something? That doesn't make sense to me. No, the zoning for the property is actually RM12D, which would allow for the duplex. But it's the, the design guidelines that say that it should be single family. Encourage single family. Encourage single family as opposed to anything higher intensity like a duplex or multifamily. Okay, so it, it encourages single family. So that's what would give us the power to say a duplex is okay. The word encourage. There's wiggle room if that's what you mean. Yeah. That's what I'm, I'm trying to figure out how we have the power to say a duplex is okay. When the guidelines say no and the neighborhood has been promised that it wouldn't, we wouldn't do duplexes. Right, and, and it goes back to that section in the beginning of the guidelines that say the commission can look at all circumstances and individual projects to make a determination if they meet the overall intent of the guidelines. And one of the things that was noted in the staff report is that the new lot would meet the required minimum lot size specified in the guidelines for a duplex in district one okay um so so in the staff's recommendations uh you're giving you're giving a strict interpretation um to to not recommend the duplex 
That's correct. Staff gets to look at it very strictly. <laughs> and then the commission has the ability to look at the project more holistically. Okay. So the if we wanted to say that the duplex is okay, we would be standing on the fact that if this would have come forward at the time when the design guidelines were being created, it would have been okay. The new lot would have the square footage required for a duplex, yes, even right. if it had existed at that time. Okay, thank you. And this lot does not have the square footage needed for a duplex? It does. It was actually identified when we did the Oread Neighborhood Design Guidelines as a lot that has the square footage for a duplex, but that was for the two platted lots with the existing structure. So that could have supported a duplex, but when you divide the lot, um, that creates um, a more intense use by using a duplex or a multi-dwelling residential structure. But the new lot that's created would meet the threshold that was used when the guidelines were adopted. Okay. If there are no other questions for staff, can we hear from the applicant? I think it was that same PDF and there was a second. Is that the one you want? Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Oh, I have to screen share again. Oh. You guys are so good at this. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. I'm terrible at it. Well, maybe. I'm learning, Kurt. Paul Warner, Paul Warner yeah, Architects again. So I hate having where? two unique items on the same agenda. So, and uh, appreciate all of Lynn's work. Usually we're in vast agreements on, on things. Um, so let's talk about the design of the duplex. So the way I read the report is that there's about six pages of comments that say the duplex meets the Orient design guidelines. Um, we can certainly discuss the front door while we're at it. We offset the two fronts of the duplex to try to create that separation, um, but certainly understand your point, but that is we are not going to get hung up on the front door or whether we want wood columns. Um, <clears throat> we intentionally designed the duplex with a basement to try to keep the footprint of the duplex as small as we can. Uh, this duplex exists in District 1 on other lots when the requirements were a little bit different. Um, not that we don't start with um, unique designs every day, but um, so size-wise, this building exists um, close to this property. So hopefully we can all agree that actually the design of the duplex were fairly close in the um, Orient design guidelines. So the reason we are here is to discuss whether we can build a duplex I hate to use the word on this creation of a lot. I'm not sure we're creating a lot, but um, as the commissioner um, already asked some questions, want to be clear, 
all of this property is zoned RM12D. The only thing that stops people from building duplexes on the old lots are they do not have the lot area required by the land development code. I won't wear you all out and go back to before 2006 when there used to be an exception in the code which allowed duplexes on smaller lots, but that's why they were there. That was taken out. Um, and in recent years, obviously, the Oria design guidelines came into, came into play. So I understand why staff is drawing the line, and I like Lynn's um, comments that she has to look at, at this very strictly. Um, we are in a little disagreement on what that sentence says that they're looking at, and that's what the exhibit is that I've shown. So in our view, this is what the Oriad Design Guidelines is trying to stop. And there's an individual we don't work for owns the entire block of Illinois Street between 10th and 11th. And if he was given his choice, he would do exactly what the Oria Design Guidelines does not want to happen, is to combine all those lots, reconfigure them so he could get more units on it. So for instance, right now, if you own four lots in a row, all you could get were four single-family homes because of the land area. If I replatted them and changed the lot lines, I would go down to three lots. But now these three lots would all have enough land area to meet the land development code, and you could build a duplex on each one of them. So in the same amount of land, you were going from four single-family homes to three duplexes, six units, an increase, I would call this an increase of density. I don't feel we are doing that today. I mean, this property is only 320 square feet short of actually being able to have four units. So I'm not sure how me moving a, a lot line for a land area that's that big um, is an increase in density. Um, as Lynn has already pointed out, again, we're also on a corner lot, which is really difficult, and this duplex meets all of the setback requirements. It actually parks all the cars that are required. It actually has some extra green space. Um, it meets all of the dimensional requirements to allow for the duplex. The other, um, there's also a memo from one staff, and I'll back up before I forget, so to um, Commissioner Meyer's question. So the original person bought this house, um, and at the time, I hate to say it's two years ago, was willing, they were okay with just building a single family home on the newly created lot. Um, couldn't have had better timing. We actually had a decent football team, put a for sale sign up at a time when people were actually there, did clean up the lot. No one, I hope you visited it, no one had any idea how big this lot really turns out to be. Um, put it up for sale, a different owner bought it. Um, that's why we're here today and would like to build something more than a single family home on it. So there was a memo um, that came, I'm not sure I can find it, um, that actually says one of the other scenarios was to add on to the existing structure and make it a duplex, then split the lot, then we would only be adding a single family home on the other lot. 
I can't get past that on why would it be okay to add on to what I probably would call a historic structure that's being renovated and then just build a single family home next to it in our minds. So that would still be three units if, if that's an acceptable scenario because of the order it's being done it seems it's way better to leave the historic stone house alone and build a new duplex again uh, next to it, which is what obviously we would like to do. Um, we can talk about, you know, our city's favorite word. You read it all the time is infill. It's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're trying to do. Um, it just feels like this ought to be on this much land. It ought to be three units and we feel like we're getting there in a better direction. And we can talk about what has a little different, you know, in recent year, KU is going to spend upwards of $300 million on a stadium and a conference center and a hotel and other stuff right across the street. Um, again, I hope you visited this site. When you sit on this site and see how big an eight or 9,000 square foot lot is, I mean, it really feels like it ought to be more than a single family home, that close to campus, that close to the football stadium. So I hope that, in our opinion again, this exhibit that's on the screen is a better example of what the Orient design guidelines were trying to prevent um, we didn't go get any more land. We didn't try to figure out how to vacate any right-of-way or anything like that. We're just taking the existing land that is there today, moving a lot line, and allows us to build a duplex. That's our thoughts. Happy to answer any questions, or I can come back. Thank you. Commissioner Johnson. So uh, my spidey senses are tingling. Will there be an application? If we say yes to this, will there be an application in two months for uh, making the stone house into a duplex? Um, a, it's being renovated as we speak. B, we do not have enough land area for four units. So we couldn't do that if we wanted. And um, I guess I will backpedal and say you bring up a really good point. If this was turned down, would, and we wind up with a single family home, would my client, you know, seeing no other alternative, go back to trying to add on to the historic house? I don't think so. We don't want them to do that. We think that's the wrong idea. We think we'd rather leave that alone and build a duplex on, on the corner lot. Uh, so, so I have a question. I mean, obviously, I mean, you knew what the guidelines said. I assume your client knew what the guidelines said as far as duplexes go, right? I know what that sentence says. I wouldn't have drawn that exhibit if I think that that's what it means. Well, I, and I understand your point, and I think it's a good one about the example that you gave. But, you know, if I'm that guy, I'm sitting there going, well, uh, that's really nice of Mr. Warner to give us in his interpretation of the guidelines, but it says no duplexes in, in Area 1. So, you know, I, I think it, my concern is always about what precedence it sets for other people. I mean, I think that's a consideration that we have to make 
And so if we're allowing one duplex in this area, then what's not to allow a duplex in the other area? We're just talking about geographically how it works. I mean, I think that's a fair analysis, but. I think you'd have to find another property that's unique like this. I mean, there's duplexes all over District 1, but they're only on the bigger lots because of what was done when they changed the zoning. So I still don't get past making the existing historic house a duplex and building a single family house next to it. Why is that better than what we're talking about now? But so when you submitted the application back in September, whatever it was, was the idea that it, it would, the idea was that it would be single family? Was that the idea? There's been two different applications, so for different owners. Um, the first person that bought the historic house, the guy lived there for 70 years. So a first owner bought the property. They were splitting the lot to build a single family home. That owner in turn has sold it. And the new owner agrees that it seems counterproductive to add on to the stone house, which is very hard as the architects can add on to here. And why is it okay to add on to that to make it a duplex and build a single family home next door versus just doing, which is still three units, versus doing the opposite of leaving the stone house alone and building a duplex on a lot that meets all of the dimensional requirements required by the city. So the stone house will just remain a rental with how many bedrooms? Four bedrooms. Being renovated, very hard house to work on, um, stone, windows, replacements, odd windows to replace. I mean, it's, you know, I'll, I'll give him credit for all the work he is doing, and it's a very hard structure to work on. And it's leased as a single family? Single family. So, uh, why was the lot, did you say this? Why was the lot 9 and 10 constructed? so that the lot line went through the stone house? I mean, that's from the original town site that, you know, 100 years ago, nobody cared. And so they built the, you know, they built the stone house across the lot line. So to be fair, the lot line needs to move one way or the other because it goes right through the middle of the existing stone house. Um, you could argue, development-wise, it would have been easier on an owner to actually tear it down and start over. But, um, I mean, I'll give him credit. He's spending a lot of money on fixing a very hard house to work on. And, again, I think this is a better plan for the area. Commissioner Klein has a question. Commissioner Klein. I'm still trying to understand the logic and the reasoning on why the proposal isn't for a single family home instead of a duplex especially because the stone house is a single family home with four bedrooms i think the thought is that there's that much land on the corner again i hope you visited the site the the land allows for it it fits there's actually more room around this property around the structure that's designed than there is on a lot of the other bigger um, bigger structures in the area um, and if a duplex fits um, we're supposed to be building um, 
you know, we only have so much land. It seems to us at this location it ought to be a duplex. Well, it seems to me it's a, it's trying to make more money with a duplex as opposed to a single family. I'm, 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 I'm still, I, I still don't get the logic. Um, just because it's a larger lot. Um, my my second follow up question is, um, I know it's a catch twenty two, but as you you raised the, um, the the point about KU building a conference center um, at the stadium and a hotel, and and it's a huge huge monster project that also involves stormwater and traffic and so forth and so on. And I'm just curious. Um, I know you can't answer what impact that program, uh, that development is the KU development is going to have on a duplex and a single family home next door. Um, but maybe I could reverse the question and ask what impact is the, this, your plan, your proposal going to have on KU's plan, if that makes sense. I don't think KU cares whether we build a single family home or a duplex. <laughs> I think, I mean, I guess I could reverse the question and ask, I mean, it's going to be, at least in my opinion, this is going to be a rental property. I don't think um, many people want to live on a single family home, buy it, own it. Um, I think it's a rental for we live in a college town across from the football stadium. I think it's a rental one way or the other. And I think it's an awesome location for um, you know some college kids to live. I think they'd be pretty excited about it. I think they'd be pretty excited that they have bedrooms, they have parking. Um, and they can charge people for parking for the, the football games. Um, they do. They, they do. You know, it's a good thing. You know, they, you it's know, a I whole lot better a than really not having a really high-cost, high-rent place to live, that, you know, that, that will push out a lot of possible folks. But that's another situation. Okay, we can uh, um, take some public comment now and continue our discussion after the public comment if we need. Um, my name is Candace Davis. I live in the Oriad neighborhood and have for over 25 years. And um, I know we're talking about this one particular project, but I want to clarify that our neighborhood spent a lot of years, years, for the neighborhood plan that we finally got and the overlay district. And I will say that Paul Warner and um, John Davis, who uh, works with him often, were um, involved always in that project. We made a lot of concessions in our neighborhood plan regarding infill, higher density areas. This particular area is a lower density. It is zoned, it says duplex is what it means. But I think there's a lot of confusion around what that means in this low density. It doesn't mean every house can be a duplex. And I don't know what Paul is talking about when he says there was a change to the 50-foot lots. To my knowledge, it's always been, it had to be a 60-foot wide lot, citywide, to accommodate a duplex. Duplexes make more money. The ones that are built now, they're not two bedrooms on each side, they're four bedrooms. It's eight. 
The advantage is you don't have to have as much parking. You're allowed to stack cars and that counts as a space. If it's a house, and I know you've been referring to single family houses, this entire area of Oriad are single dwelling units. That doesn't mean they're families in those houses. A lot of them, but we, as, as a neighborhood, we are hoping and have worked towards some integrity in the area to have balance historically, to be able to have people live there too, not just students. We want renters that live there year after year um, so that it becomes a more livable neighborhood, a more peaceful neighborhood. And I don't have you know designs to think that this isn't going to be largely rental. I'm sure it will. Um, but so this, so these, the overlay district and our neighborhood plan then uh, is trying to create stability. We already have the number of duplexes that are allowed. This particular property by, I guess, transforming it, now you have the width that would enable that to happen as far as the duplex. My, my concern, and I'm not even saying that that's necessarily a terrible idea, but what is terrible and what I see happening is how you set a precedent. So now are they going to start buying the 50-foot lots and combining them? You know, what is this going to do then when someone else wants to come in and say, well, we're going to demolish this house and use these kind of uh, gymnastics and coding to try and make this happen? But single dwelling units allow for four bedrooms, four occupants, and four for parking spaces. So parking is a problem in the Oriad neighborhood, um, and it will probably continue in, unless uh, there are some changes made. So um, I just want you to you know, understand, and so I agree. It says lots shall not be created or modified to accommodate the construction of duplexes or other higher density residential dwellings. We already have the number of duplexes that we've been able to get in that lower density area. There's a lot of higher density areas like the HERE project that have already been designated as such. Um, so I believe this project does not meet the intent of the Orid Neighborhood Guidelines under District 1. And I will say, as always, parking is always a concern. And um, I don't know where the parking is going to come from with this duplex, which are going to have eight bedrooms total, meaning <laughs> I see a lot of students driving cars, so I don't know where they're going to go, but they don't like to stack their cars. So at any rate, I, I would love to see consistency. We worked really, really hard in that overlay district, and it just seems like it's useful to follow the guidelines that are set before you. Thank you. Excuse me, I have a question for you, ma'am. Sure. Are you saying that the, the lot is 50 feet wide and not 70 feet? Well, I, my understanding was that they were 60-foot wide lots to have a duplex mm -hmm. citywide. Mm -hmm. The lots, most of the lots in Oriad go back to the original town site. They tend to all be 50-foot wide lots. So if you were to build a house, say, on this property, you could build a, a structure, but it would 
have to have four bedrooms. I mean, that would be required. Four unrelated could rent a house. Um, and if you have more, you're, you're violating the city code. But you have to have four parking spaces. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Good evening, Commissioners. Dennis Brown uh, for the Lawrence Preservation Alliance. Uh, and we first want to say we're really happy that the existing structure is being rehabilitated. Uh, the ORIAD guidelines for the UC1 low density district say that lots shall not be created or modified to accommodate the construction of duplexes or other high density residential dwellings. The neighborhood concern driving this guideline was for any new construction to maintain the scale of the existing houses in that context area. Uh, and the proposed new construction on this application, while uh, I feel is a good representation of an old house form, is just over 37 foot tall, which is taller than the blocks of older gable structures to the north, which kind of illustrates the point. Uh, it would be one of the larger residential structures in that area north to 9th Street. In our view, and I realize we have different owners here, uh, but applying for a division of lots for, for a single dwelling construction, which is allowed by the guidelines, and then coming back to change the dwelling construction to duplex, which is not, is is somewhat awkward. For your determination on this item, we think it best that you still consider this guideline regarding modification of lots when evaluating this agenda item. Thank you. I'll take a continuation of the discussion at this time. I suppose when the proposal to to change the lot line was brought in in front of the commission this spring, it made sense to me because the lot line, the present lot line, went through the stone house. And the new property that is created when the lot was changed to bisect the lot in the north to south direction instead of the east-west direction, it does create two more square lots than, than it had before. I think they, they were about 50 feet before when it went, the lots went in the east-west direction. Um, but now that they go in the north-south direction, the existing lot with, that, with the home, with the stone house is 60 feet, I believe, and the new lot is 71 feet wide. So does that, do, are we looking at that and thinking that is a modification to make the duplex feasible, or was that a modification that needed to happen because the lot line went and split an existing historic structure? Does anyone have thoughts on that? Uh, 
Well, this is Commissioner Johnson. I, I would say that, I mean, this is different from somebody taking um, a couple of 50 foot lots and reconfiguring them into larger lots. Um, I would say that this wouldn't set a precedent unless there are a ton of lots where the lot line goes through a historic structure. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that that is perhaps unusual at this point in time, possibly, um, so that you're not setting a precedent for doing what the design guidelines don't want to happen. Um, and I do appreciate that the, the duplex, particularly changing the orientation of the door, uh, makes it uh, have the look and the feel of a single family home, um, but then allows for more people to, to live there. Um, so to have some infill housing. Um, so those are, those are my, my thoughts that, um, that I would be inclined to permit this because of the size of the lot and that the reconfiguration is being done partly to create two saleable lots in the future with which right now there's not because the lot line goes through a house. Commissioner Meyer, I, I'm just going to go on record as saying that I'm I'm in favor of the staff report um, in terms of that the duplex does not meet the intent of the design guidelines under District One. Um, I understand Mr. Warner's position. This is unique, but I'm reading the guidelines. I mean, the the district itself is a unique district. I mean, that's what the guidelines say. So, I mean, I think it takes into account there's different situations within the district. Um, I mean, the the. The guidelines specifically only apply to this distinctive area known as Stadium North. Um, I do believe Ms. Davis' comments about when they got these guidelines together that there was a lot of back and forth and um, accommodations made. And I think that the guidelines are pretty specific um, in terms of the language uh, relating to duplexes. And I do think that it would create a precedent, and so I'm pretty firm in my position about no duplex there. Um, so everybody else can have a different opinion, of course. <coughs> Any other opinions to State. My head's aligns with those comments that the guidelines are pretty clear, and that it's an excluded. I don't. I think there's some credence to that. That's not the purpose of this division, but but I do think there'll be more precedent, um, more opportunities for this to follow. Okay. I I'm, I guess I'm confused on what section we're looking at because I see that lots shouldn't be divided for the purpose of creating duplexes, but where is it that it says, is it in the general guidelines for this area that it says no 
new duplexes? It's in the section for District 1 in the intro part of it that says lots shall not be created or modified to accommodate the construction of duplexes or other higher intensity residential dwellings. Okay. So are you going well, I, uh, a lot hinges on intent? Yeah, and on intent, and that's why I asked that question at the beginning, what the intent was, because I would much rather a new, a new structure that is in keeping with the character of the neighborhood be constructed on an empty lot than an addition to or a heavy, heavy modification of uh, historically significant structure. Um, but I see that uh, Commissioner Klein has a comment. Oh, I was wondering if it would be appropriate at this time to make a motion. Sure. Um, I would like to move that uh, we deny construction of a duplex because it does not meet the intent of the Oread neighborhood design guidelines under district one. Is there any discussion on that? I, I understand the strict interpretation of this guideline. Uh, I'll second that. You'll, you'll second the motion? Yes. All right. And, and I'll just point out, yeah, I'm not sure if you're done with your, your, where you were going, that there is a motion on, on the table, but there could be broader discussion and then you could bring back up. We have to vote on that motion, but if there's any further discussion, that could still happen. Yes, and I would like to discuss. So if, if this is denied by the HRC, I have a question for staff. What happens next? The applicant can appeal to the city commission. And the city commission and the city um, strategic plan puts a precedent or a high, high priority on infill housing and multifamily housing. <clears throat> so I am cautious to do that. Well, I mean, the city commission needs to follow their own guidelines as well. I mean, the question is if they'll carve out some exception or whatnot. I mean, so they're essentially looking at things I think in the same way we are, they just may put different weight on different things. Well, we already have a conflict between the area design guidelines <coughs> and the zoning for the area because the zoning allows a duplex. Well, I don't, I don't think that that means the city commission allows any duplex anywhere just because something is, but anyway. True. Okay, that's all. I wanted to say, um, any other discussion before we vote? And remind me again what the, the motion was. We're, okay. I, I think that uh, if I'm reiterating this correctly, was to find that the proposed subdivision of the property to construct the duplex does not meet the intent of the Oread neighborhood design guidelines under District 1. So saying 
I would mean it does not meet and is denied. Correct. Saying nay would mean it does meet and it shouldn't be, or it should be approved. So it's kind of. You're voting to deny it, essentially. Yes. So. All right, so we'll take a, a vote now. Um, Commissioner Meyer? Uh, aye. Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Hawley? Aye. Commissioner Azell? Nay. Commissioner Haynes? Aye. Commissioner Johnson? Nay. And Chair Coleman is a nay. So I lost count. That's one, two, three ayes and four nays. Correct? You probably should make another motion. Somebody. I think it's, it's, I think it's four to deny and three not to deny. Meyer, Klein, Holly to deny. Azelle, Haynes, Johnson, and Coleman to approve. All righty then. I'm sorry, could I? I Haynes. Could I get a clarification on, like, a yay was to deny, Correct. right? In a, right. Because okay, it sounded. And that's what you uh, did. You said. Yay. Oh, I'm sorry. I yeah, and it sounded incorrect. like you just reversed that. I did. Okay. Because I heard. Yeah. Your, I heard your I as a nay. Oh, I'm so Excuse sorry. Me. No, no, it, yeah. <laughs> sorry, Paul. It was an I. <laughs> sorry. It's my first meeting. I should speak up. We're running this. <clears throat> um, okay, so then. So is the record clear about that? <laughs> it's four to Linda three in favor of denying the project. Correct. Correct. Any commissioner have qualms with that? Everybody understand what their vote was? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, moving on. Not sure we need sarcasm. Item number four. Item number four. DR 23 New York. I just want to say thank you for your patience. Yes. <laughs> you, this is one of our longest meetings on memory, and so you've had the uh, unfortunate circumstance of being last. So this is 843 New York Street, DR 23-00037. It's the demolition <coughs> construction of an accessory structure and is a certificate of appropriateness because the property is located in the environs of the Edward Manter House at 821 New York Street and St. Luke AME Church at 900 New York Street. This was brought to, this is showing the property location here in the outline green with the Manter House here and St. Luke here. This was actually brought to the commission back in March and this portion that you see on the left, it was a project in two phases. 
Phase one would be one story, and phase two would be a two-story addition on part of the structure. What was approved was the phase one um, three-car garage that's on the left. What was sent to the architectural review committee was the um, graphic on the right that had the three-bay garage and then the two-story addition above the portion of the garage. The applicant met with the Architectural Review Committee. We spent a lot of good time discussing design options. And what came forward was this would be phase one, where the two-car portion of the garage would be moved to the south, and the one-portion carport would be moved to the north and recessed. And this is showing that in elevation. Phase two of the project would have there again that two bay garage portion at the south end of the structure with the two story section above it and then the one portion, the one story, uh, one bay garage to the north. And this is showing that in elevation. This is showing all four elevations of the proposed structure as it is now. It's still a three-car garage with a two-car garage in the two-story portion of the structure and a one-bay garage in the single-story. The applicant has provided some site illustrations. This is looking north from 9th Street and the grade that you see here in the photograph would be the proposed garage. This is the two-story portion of the garage. The, um, and Megan, you can connect, correct me if I'm wrong, but this two-story apartment building with ground floor commercial is 20 feet tall. The blue duck plumbing building is 24 feet tall. And to the peak of the new structure would be 24 feet tall, plus or minus. This is showing looking back down the alley from the Manter House, uh, looking south. And there again, you see the two portion, portion of the structure and then the one portion. Um, the applicant also provided a photograph at the end of the alley adjacent to the Manter House, or I believe maybe one property down, is a two-story, um, three-bay garage that exists on the alley. So looking at all the different um, combinations, the alley and the heights of the structures located at the south end of the alley where this would be adjacent, um, staff is recommending approval of the certificate of appropriateness um, because the proposed project will not significantly encroach on, damage, or destroy the landmark or its environs. Um, due to the already um, changing nature of this particular alley not meeting the typical alley characteristics for the rest of the environs. And I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Thank you. There are no questions. Does the applicant present? Do you have anything to add? 
You can or not. No pressure. You don't have don't to. feel like you have to say something. I'm good. <laughs> Hi, I'm Megan Brewey of Hernley Associates. Um, I'm the project designer, um, so I'm just going to provide some additional information about the project. Um, Okay, so as Lynn mentioned, um, uh, this is our project site here at 843 New York Street. Um, to the south, we have that two-story commercial building um, with the apartments above it, and then the, to the west is the commercial um, plumbing building. Okay. Um, and so I did go out and measure them. Um, I had to measure at the low eave of this building and kind of estimate. I estimate that this building um, is approximately 24 feet tall and uh, the apartment building is 20 feet tall. Um, for the plumbing building, that doesn't account for the slope. Um, so basically the plumbing building is built on like a hill. It slopes down towards the alley, um, making it a little bit maybe taller than 24 feet. Um, so this is the, the plot plan of the project um, in the first phase, showing the two um, car garage portion located to the south and the one car garage portion located at the north. Um, this was done to keep the larger portion of the building um, closer to the existing commercial structures. And that's um, reiterated with the second phase of the project as the studio is on the south side of the building as well. Um, and so then here is a west elevation um, with the existing commercial building um, just to show how those would look. And then uh, here's the second phase. So you can see that uh, the low eave of our building is about the same height as um, the existing commercial building. And we have also um, rotated the building from the last um, iteration to have um, basically the peak of the building be back further than the alley line um, so that way it doesn't feel quite so tall uh, and you've seen this rendering and you can really see here um, basically that slope that I was talking about from the plumbing building um, here that makes it seem a bit taller and then this image again and then uh, an additional view from 9th and New York Street um, and you can't you can't really see the building, it's in there, um, but this, uh, you know, this building, the commercial building and the tree all um, conceal it from St. Luke AME. And so just going back to the site, I wanted to include a little bit of additional information um, about the area. Um, we looked around to find other large scale garages in the neighborhood just to show that it's not a new, um, new, addition, you know, new thing to the neighborhood. These already exist, um, starting with that three, um, three car garage that Lynn showed. Um, that's directly um, north of the Edward Manor House. You can see that here in this map. The blue dot is the Edward Manor House and this yellow dot is this uh, three-car garage. Um, this is directly across the street from um, the two-story apartment building on Ninth Street. Um, it's an existing two-car garage, one and a half stories tall. Um, another project is located kind of in a similar area on the alley, um, another large-scale garage. And then um, on the same 800 block, but on Connecticut Street, um, it's a two-car garage, but it has a, lar a taller um, second-story apartment on top of it. 
And then this is 739 Connecticut Street. It's not located in the same environs, but it's located in a different environs of the McAllister res residence, which is listed on the Lawrence Register. Um, last time there were concerns about the outdoor stairs. So I just wanted to show a project that has that condition as well. Um, and then finally, I think finally, uh, 737 Connecticut, which is in that same environs of the McAllister residence, um, another large scale um, modern garage. So with that, that's my presentation. Um, thank you for your time. Are there any questions for the applicant? If not, we can move to public comment. Seeing no public comment and no discussion, do we have a motion? I would move that in accordance with Chapter 22 of the Code of the City of Lawrence, the standards of evaluation find that the proposed project will not significantly encroach on, damage, or destroy the landmarks of their environs and issue the certificate of appropriateness for the proposed project. Second. Okay, Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a motion was made by Commissioner Meyer and seconded by Commissioner Johnson. We'll take a, a vote. Um, Commissioner, unless there's discussion, Jay, do you want to say something? No. Take a vote. Commissioner Meyer. Aye. Commissioner Klein. Aye. Commissioner Hawley? Aye. Commissioner Azell? Aye. Commissioner Haynes? Aye. Commissioner Johnson? Yes. And Chair Coleman is an aye. That's seven to zero, a pass. Thank you and good luck with your project. They're like, we want to be the last one on the docket every time. <laughs> this has been a very interesting Thank you. Thank you. And my apologies. I have to leave early because my son's got something. Okay. Do, so. We just have one more item. And um, item, what is it, five? Chapter, the chapter 22. 22 revisions. Yes, commissioners, this is hopefully the final draft of chapter 22, um, incorporating all of the comments that you've had in the past and all the public comment um, that's been received in the final draft. It also had the final drawings um, from our um, architect that was doing the drawings for us so that you could see what those look like and staff is asking you to review this final draft and direct staff to disseminate for public comment. Are there any questions for staff on chapter 22? Uh, this is Commissioner Ezell. I have I have an issue with one of the sections. Would you like to tell us about it? Sure. Uh, 
should know if I was supposed to do that yet or not. Uh, but it deals with uh, Section 22507, uh, Design Criteria. I think it's on page 26. And there's a part of this that I don't think makes any sense. And it deals with height, which is in the new construction and additions to existing buildings. I don't know if you can bring that up or something, so we can look at it or I can just read it. She's but basically, there are five different classifications of structures. Oh, there we go. And so uh, the first paragraph under height, it talks about three of the three of the types, but then in the second paragraph is where I think it's doesn't make any sense. So it says new construction of a structure within a con within a context area should be at a lower should be at or lower than the height of the tallest similar structures on a 250-foot line between the landmark or historic district and the proposed structure. So that, that I mean, if, if you were across the street from a landmark in the environs, Number one, you wouldn't be on a 250-foot line. Number two, there wouldn't be anything, any structures on that line other than the landmark. And that landmark could be a single-story structure in amongst all two stories all up and down the block. So the requirement doesn't really make any sense. To me, there was there was an earlier uh, uh, earlier verbiage that said new construction of a structure within a context area should be at or lower than the height of the tallest similar structures. Well, no, I'm reading the same thing. Hold on. What it did say is new construction within context areas should be at or lower than the average height of structures in the context area, which makes a lot more sense, but technically I don't like that either because it's very specific. The old code didn't even have any verbiage about height. All they had was the picture. So what I think it should say is new construction within context areas should be at or lower than the height of similar structures in the context area. So it's kind of a combination of the two. Instead of the being at or lower than the primary structure. Well, instead of being at or lower than the average of all the structures, which is a very specific number, which would be very, very difficult to come up with. Now, I know these things, you know, might be subjective to some, might be, but to me, 
if it's written, it's it's an objective thing. Would you mind repeating how you think it should read? The way I think it should read is new construction within context areas should be at or lower than the height of similar structures in the context area. Does that cover the situation where there could be objectionable, non-contributing structures in the context area? Not necessarily, no. Maybe there's some better verbiage. Maybe just adding the word contributing? Or am I conflating two different guidelines and we don't have contributing structures in context areas? Right, we do not have contributing structures Never in mind. context areas. I think this is some language that LPA proposed and uh, I remember uh, Mike Delaney was putting out the example, what if there's like a church in the context area where, you know, it throws off, you know, it's just, it's a huge structure. And he was trying to minimize the... Uh, I'm sorry, I can't hear what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> we have public comment. Sorry, Zoomers. Uh, I think this, uh, uh, Neil's referring to some uh, uh, language that LPA proposed and the uh, I think the oh here it is I think the concern was in a context area if uh, a proposed structure was in uh, if there was a, a church nearby or some other structure that was extremely tall for for a reason you know it well it obviously wouldn't be a house that tall but something that's just different that's in the context area it would this would be a way to minimize uh, that's that impact on the proposed structure um, and I, I, I think unless, Mike Delaney, unless you were building another church which would be a similar structure. Yeah, I kind of, so, I mean, it's, this is kind of difficult to make a change, you know, tinkering with words uh, at this juncture, but my initial thought on what you proposed, Neil, in talking about similar structures uh, might, might be workable. Because obviously, if, if, if you're proposing a house, then a similar structure would be houses in the context area. And if there was a church or a, a warehouse or some other structure, well, that's not similar. Right. I wish, I wish Mike was here. He's actually fighting an HRC battle at the Carnegie Library right now. Uh, so I hesitate to speak for Mike, 
But it sounds like Mel is proposing some, uh, some language that might work. My motivation here is just that to not make it so, so specific and to leave a little bit of, you know, subjectivity to it, but not too much. Mm -hmm. I would tend to agree with that. And I, I think there might be a typo. Mm -hmm. It says until, it should say unless, right? In the context area, until recessed 30 feet from the front wall plane, and it should be structures in the context area unless recessed 30 feet from the front wall plane. That's a good one. I guess the 250 feet gives some an idea of where to go looking for similar structures. Um, and so in that respect, it's giving some, some guidance um, so that somebody knows what to expect. And then you're not dealing with an applicant that says, hey, look at 500 feet all these things are this and then the next applicant is no look at a thousand feet and another one is no look at 50 feet around it i mean this gives some some guidance um on where you're going to be looking for those similar structures neil could you read your proposed language one last time yeah bonnie i think that's that's why it needs to be within the context area and that defines anything within 250 feet of, but the line i mean if you use a line between if you're directly across the street from the landmark and do you take the line from the landmark through your house and then another 200 feet behind you that's why i would interpret that and it does, which doesn't make any sense because well i guess that's still in the context area though probably yeah but but so it would be governed by whatever the the context area boundaries yeah or whatever whatever lies on that line which, right why wouldn't it be the whole context area okay i gotcha but my my verbiage is new construction within context areas should be at or lower than the height of similar structures in the context areas Yeah, if you're building a church, or you're building a house, or you're building a shed, or whatever, it would be similar structures within that area. I think that makes sense. I think that would be easier to it's, review than trying to find that what that line is. I agree. Or trying to find the average. <laughs> Yes. It seems easier to understand and interpret. Well, and while we're on the subject of, of height, in the drawings under height, it talks about 10% less than the height of the primary structure, 
whereas in the code, the language earlier, it talks about 90%. So just making that consistent, I would suggest. Well, there's, there's basically five different, if you read this carefully, there's five different specific cases of different situations. And this is just one of them. This is for new construction uh, within a context area. And oh yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you, Neil. I'm moving on to another subject. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm saying that we need to make the verbiage between the drawings and the earlier text the same. Um, and so there's that 10%, 90% difference. So I agree with you, Neil. I've moved on. Okay. <laughs> Lynn, do you see where that is? I do. Any other comments or points of discussion? So what is our path forward here, Lynn? Your path forward would be to approve the final draft with those changes to the new construction section for context areas and to um, make the 90% of the height of the primary structure on the same site be consistent with the drawing that says 10% and vote to direct staff to submit this out for public comment with those changes. I would move as such. <laughs> Second. Could I make a question? Yes. So where would this move next for public comment? Does this leave the HRC arena and go somewhere else, or does the public comment stay in the HRC arena? The HRC arena. What will happen is this will be put online on the Historic Resources webpage as a document. We'll also do a press release and an email letting people who've expressed interest in the past. And the press release will go to all mail outlets, all journalism outlets and then give them until the next HRC meeting to provide public comment. And then at that meeting, the HRC would vote whether or not to send it to the city commission for approval. Okay, thank you. So we have received a motion from Commissioner Hawley and a second from Commissioner Johnson. I've been trying. I just want to make the. I've been trying to take real close notes on each of these, and I have a note on this exact point about the height. It used to be shall be significantly ten percent less than the height of the primary structure, and Jay suggested no more than ninety percent. So I'm still kind of confused about why we want to change language between ten percent and ninety. You know, and ninety percent. But it's. I don't know how big a point that is. We were trying to make it consistent when referring to the same item. So one area on page 26 said 90%, but the illustrations later in the document referring to the same issue said 10% less. So we want to change one or the other, and we... Okay, I mean, it's fine. Okay. 
I recall that uh, there seemed to be some confusion with the 10% thing on the, we were talking about uh, height of accessory structures and context areas. And Jay, you proposed that it would be simpler and easier to understand to go in with the 90%. So that change was made, but none of us thought hey, that 10% language is elsewhere too. So we're just doing some house cleaning if we, housekeeping if we change everything to the 90% verbiage. Yes. Right. Correct. Okay. Um, I'll call a vote. Uh, Commissioner Klein. Aye. Commissioner Hawley. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Aye. Commissioner Haynes. Aye. Commissioner Johnson. Yes. Chair Coleman, aye. So six to zero since uh, Commissioner Meyer had to leave early. And now we'll move on to miscellaneous items. You actually have two miscellaneous items, although only one is noted in your document, your agenda. Um, it's to appoint a historic resources commissioner to the proposed Lawrence Loop Steering Committee. Um, this steering committee is looking at the portion of the loop that will come past City Hall and connect um, to the loop that is um, at Sarah Ida Shaw Park, I believe. And so it will come through the downtown area and potentially um, the Pinckney area. So they were seeking um, a historic resources commissioner to um, be a part of that steering committee. I didn't know if there was an avid bicyclist on board that was interested or someone who has a burning entrance in the Lawrence Loop. Well, I don't see any volunteers. Well, if nobody else will do it, I'll do it. Thank you, Commissioner Johnson. <laughs> You'll do a great job, I'm sure. And you would take a vote on that to nominate her to be the representative. All right. Do we need a second to the motion if I made the motion? Yes. Second. Thank you, Commissioner Haynes. Let's take a vote. Commissioner Klein. Aye. Commissioner Hawley. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Aye. Commissioner Haynes. Aye. Commissioner Johnson, you can abstain if you want. <laughs> abstain due to conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> Chair Coleman's and I. So five eyes, zero nays, and one abstention and one absence. <laughs> and
And then the last item on the agenda was Commissioner Klein had um, wanted the commission to speak together as a commission about the proposed realignment of commissions that would consolidate the Historic Resources Commission with the Board of Zoning Appeals, the Sign Code Board of Appeals, and the Building Code Board of Appeals, and thought that the commission might want to discuss this recommendation and send uh, a letter as part of the information gathering that the commission, or the committee, I should say, is doing now. Commissioner Klein, would you like to? Explain. Well, I, I, uh, yes. I mean, I think this is a huge issue, and I, um, I think, um, Lynn, that you already laid out key reason about the fact that that we have rules and regulations that we made uh, an agreement with the state, and that if we were combined with these other boards, that we would be going against the state rules and regulations. Um, I should say that, um, so I went ahead and, and, and did a, I filled out the online questionnaire and basically repeated your point and also added the point that um, if we were combined with, what is it, Board of Zoning Appeals, sign permits and something else, building codes I think it was, um, then we would have very long meetings that would go on for eternity till midnight or what have you. And I don't think we'd have more very many citizens willing to volunteer for such a board. Um, so there was that argument. Um, so I think there's, there's, and I'm sure maybe there's other arguments that commissioners can think of as well. Um, so I think it's important that we take a stand, uh, whether as individual uh, commissioners or as, as a body. Um, and um, I just want to point out that tomorrow um, the city uh, restructuring committee is meeting via Zoom at 2 p.m. And um, so we could, I suppose, uh, now this is where I get confused about the ex parte stuff. So can we, like two of us could be there, but not five or six of us? Is that how it goes? To, to speak to the the restructuring committee. That's a good question. That is a good question. I would have to confer with legal counsel on that. I do not know since it would be business before the committee or commission. Right. You would be limited to take. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I already did my online, and that's why I wasn't sure if I if I was going to attend via Zoom or not, and if anyone else was going to, I'd be happy not to since I've already said my two cents on the online survey part of it. I don't know if anyone else has uh, written a letter. I know that, um, I happen to know that LPA um, sent a letter to the structuring committee and basically said the same thing, that, that we need to remain separate as a separate commission um, as a, what is it called, a city government? something there's an acronym um uh, uh, that with an agreement that we made with the state and and that we should not go against that and violate that yeah um so um so lpa has put i don't know who else and how many other people i don't know if any neighborhood groups if individual citizens have written or not um to the structuring committee about um keeping us separate i filled out the online survey as well and i i listed all those points you made um, okay. I do think it's interesting and telling maybe that they had their only in-person meeting with public comment on the same day, at the same time as an HRC meeting. So that right, yes. <laughs> and they don't have a representative from the Historic Resources Commission on that committee. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, and yeah, I, I think us doing a, a letter um, would be really good. I filled out the form as well. Um, all the reasons that Lynn listed and Jean listed are all very good. Also, the building codes com uh, commission, that takes expertise that uh, has to do with the actual construction of buildings and not everybody on the HRC is going to, to have that. Right. I think the, the person that would have the expertise to meet all of those issues would be the rare person and would be very hard to get somebody who would actually be able to speak with authority on all of those issues. Also, the Board of Zoning Appeals is a judicial um, uh, board. Their decisions are only appealable to a court, not to the city commission. So they're a different animal altogether. And so it's just a bad idea all the way around to combine these commissions. It just doesn't, doesn't make sense. So I, I would hope that we could just put all that together in a le letter that we've all agreed to vote on and we approve and we send that up the, the ladder. Now, do we have to, if we did that, do we need to wait till our next meeting to actually vote on it and send the letter? I mean, are we within the timeline of before this restructuring committee makes its decisions? Well, I would, I would hope that our guidance, we could give guidance to staff tonight and vote tonight and, and move ahead, I would, would I hope. Because so. I'm wondering if we could just say something as simple as um, the uh, HRC believes that we need to remain a separate entity for all the reasons uh, stated previously by, you know, uh, commissioners already. And just keep it, you know, simple maybe. And watchers. Or do we need <laughs> Do we need to reiterate all of the, the reasons? Sorry, go ahead. I'm I sorry. feel like we do need to reiterate our reasons and we can collect those from, well, I don't know if you were able to keep a copy of the survey that you sent, but we have a copy of Lynn's letter and LPA's letter. And um, Commissioner Johnson had one additional point that the BZA is appealable not to the city commission like the others. Okay. Sounds good to me. Do you need a motion? Yes. I move that, uh, wait, who's writing this? Lynn, <laughs> Lynn's writing it. Is Lynn allowed to write this? Yes. <laughs> On our behalf. Okay, so I move that um, administrator um, Lynn Zollner write a letter to the restructuring committee restating our three reasons as to why the HRC needs to remain a separate commission. I second. Very good, and I'm happy to sign that letter, Lynn. Okay, good. That's the chair. Discussion before we take a vote? Could you repeat the three succinct versions of the reasons? Yes, I believe the three succinct reasons are that it takes special skill and knowledge to serve on the Historic Resources Commission, as does it take to serve on the other boards that are proposed to be combined with, 
and the likelihood that commissioners would be found to serve on those boards and create a full and complete board over the length of the span of time that the board will exist. We'll make very long meetings and we won't find people to uh, serve. And also the BZA is not appealable to the city commission, but to, um, what did you say, Commissioner Johnson, to the district court? Courts. Courts. It's judicial. Yes. County court. Are there and then we have the reasons that Lynn put out earlier about right. our uh, what we're committed to do for state preservation. Right. Yes. So that's yes. it's so, sort of, there's four reasons. Yeah. And lots of detail that we could go into if if we need to, but I feel like the letter should state those first four points right off the bat uh, at the beginning of the letter because likely if the letter is too long, it will not be read or right. digested. Mm -hmm. Right. And and I think I remember the questionnaire saying at the end, what do you recommend the committee do? And I recommended that the committee read the revised chapter 22 and the state's, um, um, what's that called? The state's guidelines for the city, with the, the city agreement on, on the composition of, of um, a local historic resources commission. Yes. And I believe that was in Lynn's letter. Exactly. Yeah, I was I was repeating what what Lynn had stated in the, you know, so I, I told him to read those two documents. We wanted to read anything else. <laughs> so there's a motion on the floor. I think we're good. I think yes, we there's vote. a motion and a second. Um, I now have forgotten who made the motion. I made the motion. Commissioner Klein and Commissioner Johnson seconded. Correct. Okay. Uh, I second. Oh, sorry. I'll second. Well, okay. Then let's take a vote. Um, Commissioner Klein? Aye. Commissioner Hawley? Uh, nay. Commissioner Izell. Aye. Commissioner Haynes. Aye. Commissioner Johnson. Yes. Chair Coleman is an aye, so that's five ayes, one nay, and one absent. That's all I have. Okay, and with that, we're adjourned. Thank you all. It's a long meeting. Yeah. Thank Not you, everyone. Jeff, I, my name was.